What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the What Made You Do It podcast. On today's show, we have Mallory Hamm. Mallory made the leap from selling digital advertising to becoming a social worker, and we go in-depth on her journey to making such a massive career and life change. We met at a Red Rock show and instantly became great friends. You'll see why after listening to the episode. All right, let's get to it. What is up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of What Made You Do It. I am here today with the amazing Mallory Ham, um, and I'm your host, Sam Moore, just as a reminder. Um, Mallory, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Sam. I'm super stoked to be here. I am so excited to have you. Um, quick background, Mallory is my, we'll call it life coach. Um, so we have had so many conversations about me in the, in our knowing each other, but very rarely have we been able to talk at length about you. So this is a, a, a luxury that I'm looking forward to right now. Um, yeah, but I like to start off with a question to kind of get it going of how do you describe yourself or introduce yourself? I have been thinking about this all morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would say through and through, like, I am a people person. Um, I derive my energy from people. I'm a big believer in energy just to begin with. Um, I will probably get into this later, but on my disc assessment, I'm an IS, mm-hmm. um, but an I dominant Um so I tend to be very chameleon-like. Like I match my energy, I match my presentation to my environments and who I'm with, where I am. Um, but I very much, I guess I would call myself like an introverted extrovert, if you will. Like I need people around, but I also need my recharge, my recharge time. Like I really value that in order for me to be my best self when I'm out in the world. Um, but yeah, I, I, people is kind of my passion right now. That's where my career is heading. That's kind of just where my life is heading. And uh, that's really what I'm focused on right now. Love it. Love the energy talk. Um, we, will, we will definitely go in depth into that. <laughs> um, so I, I guess like jumping off of that, where what, what do you do? Like what is the your day-to-day um, and, and what are you working on? Gosh, I feel... I do a lot of things right now, but um, my main thing, so I, I should just start by saying my background is in sales and marketing. I Mm -hmm. worked for advertising agencies for almost 10 years um, and left the business earlier this year to start my own coaching business. Um, So I do leadership development, team building, career development, uh, and sales coaching. Um, and I trained to coach off the disc assessment, like I mentioned. Yeah. Um, I love using the disc because, well, I should just also say the disc is a personality assessment. It measures your um, your thinking styles, your communi- your communication style. Uh, it looks at your fears, your hidden motivators, your attitudes towards the world. Um, but I love using the disc because it's... Um, it measures your behavior in different environments. Um, and I'm very interested in human behavior in the social environment. I'm also getting my master's of social work right now, um, which is kind of where the people aspect is twofold on top of coaching. Um, so I really, and I, I love learning about human behavior and, and analyzing and viewing it. I consider myself to be very good, um, very good people reader, being able to distinguish nonverbal cues from verbal cues. Um, so I love using the disc because it measures behavior in different environments. Um, it also changes over time. So depending where you are at in life, 
it's going to look a little bit different. It can pick up when you're transitioning, maybe into a new job, going through divorce. Um, you know, for example, I, I, when I first took it, I, my I was dominant over my S. When I took it again a few months later, my S was dominant. Um, that was because I had just moved in with my boyfriend, now fiance, and he's a hard S. Mm -hmm. um, S's are very compromised, win-win driven. And I was doing a lot of compromise in my life, you know, negotiating where we put the TV, who does the dishes, things like that. So my S shot up in, in, that, in that point in my life. Um, so yeah, I'm on top of coaching, getting my master's of social work, um, and one day hoping to open my own private practice and do some more, do more like psychotherapy type stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Amazing. Um, and I, the, the leap, I mean, I took a very similar one from software sales to beverage founder. So I'm yep. very eager to, to dive deep into the, um, sales and marketing and advertising into social work, but um, maybe rewinding a bit to early days of, yes. of our dear Mal. Um, <laughs> tell us about like, you know, childhood and, and anything you're comfortable sharing, but, yeah. um, you know, where you grew up and, and kind of what that life was like. I'm super prepared for this because this is all I write about in school. <laughs> um, so I am from Norwalk, Connecticut, uh, born in a middle-class family. Uh, my parents, I'm an only child. Uh, my parents divorced and I was super young, so... I think I developed a sense of maturity and independence at a pretty young age. Um, I was a competitive swimmer for 14 years, so that was a big part of my life. Taught me a lot of discipline, time management, all those, that important stuff, which I feel like I forget sometimes now that I'm 28. Um, but I went to school at Babson College, which is uh, a private business school, one of the number one programs for entrepreneurship in the country, which is where... My business background comes from. Mm -hmm. um, I would say I was never truly passionate about business. I knew that it was an economical decision to make. I knew my parents were kind of pushing me in that direction. And I knew just because Babson is such an incredible school, I was going to have a great experience. I was going to be able to swim. Um, and I was going to have a renowned education that I could do pretty much anything I wanted with, like start a business. Um, so I certainly don't regret my undergrad. I, I cherish it and I value it. Um, and I, you know, I went to the business year, business world for many, many years. Um, I started as a media planner and buyer. So I was managing campaigns for clients on mostly digital platforms, Facebook, Google, Instagram, things like that. Um, did that for about four years and then switched over to sales in 2020, which was a very interesting time. To, Great time to get into the sales to, world. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that was a crazy learning experience, um, selling from a distance, uh, not being able to have that in-person aspect, which is certainly my strong suit as a salesperson. Um, so sales was very cool. I mean, it was definitely a good a good transition out of media planning and buying. Media planning is very data, very analytic heavy, mm -hmm. um, which is not my forte. I'm much more of the people kind of relationship building type person than I am like data and analytics. Um, so sales was a great transition for me. I learned a lot about myself really quickly. I got very good at sales really quickly. Mm. Um, I do have kind of a natural sales ability, which 
was really kind of how I discovered my natural people ability. Um, I started working with a sales coach myself early on in that transition. She was incredibly helpful in helping me overcome my fears. I have a fear of rejection, as most eyes do. Mm-hmm. Um, so she helped me kind of overcome that. You know, I struggled with cold calling and things like that a lot. Um, and she got me very comfortable with pricing, all that good stuff. Um, but she could tell from very early on that my heart wasn't wasn't in it. Um, but she waited, as all good coaches do, until I kind of came, was ready to come to that realization, was ready to admit that to her myself. It was about three sessions in. And um, she immediately was like, all right, let's, let's, let's figure out how you're going to make a change because you seem ready. You just don't know what to do, how to do it pretty yeah. much. Um, so her name's Jen Bilger. She's here in Denver. She's an incredible coach. Highly recommend her to anybody. She does a lot of the same services that I do. Shout out, Jen. Shout out, Jen, yes. Um, uh, so she was incredibly helpful. She, we kind of did some career coaching under the table um, and just kind of figured out what the next step was. Uh, social work, psychology, psychiatry, that all came up as something that I should consider. Um, but at the time, I was really hesitant to go back to school. I didn't feel ready. I didn't feel prepared. I didn't feel confident in my ability to be successful as a student at the time. So she actually recommended getting into coaching. She was the one who said, I think you can do what I do. And I said, I mean, I love the disc. I think it's super fascinating. I love learning about human behavior, like I said. So I was like, let's give it a try. So from there, she pretty much took me under her wing and, uh, been grooming you ever since. Been grooming me ever since. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, and that's and and how we are it's a here today. Beyond childhood. Yeah, Sorry. No, I, I love, well, I'll, I will. Uh, I will take us back to the, the points that are good. So I mean. Yes. So Babson is like known for entrepreneurship. Did you study yes. entrepreneurship there? I did not know. I actually studied marketing and literary and visual arts were my two concentrations. I mm. pretty much took a few business courses as I possibly could. Yeah. Shoot. That's because uh, yeah. I, I I also. I I think I always wanted to study business, mm-hmm. um, but for, like you, it was more economic. <laughs> yes, uh, economically charged than anything. Yep. Um, but I also I remember my experience in school. I had no kind of affinity to any of the business classes, other than a, like a, a handful that were mostly presentation classes or, or something that's a little bit more theory based. Mm-hmm. Like all of the finance classes, all the accounting classes, I did not care about at all. And I was a finance major, and I just remember like <laughs> sitting there being like, "Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing?" But yep. it was because for me, and and I would love to dive a little bit more into like kind of the Babson experience and and how much business and entrepreneurship is kind of promoted there. Uh, but I had no entrepreneurship shown to me at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't even, it wasn't an option. There was no like major for that. So I, I didn't know. It took me going into the business world to like mm-hmm. realize like, oh, this is what I want to be doing. Um, but I'm very curious about what your experience was. Yeah. Babson is an incredibly unique school. Um, it breeds entrepreneurship. Like from the moment you step on campus, like that is all that they are pushing on you. <laughs> my, my, my only knowledge of Babson uh, before meeting you is, was the when I lived in San Francisco. They had Babson College, like yep. fl- like things just lining the streets, and yes. I was like, "What is this place?" Because <laughs> when you were out there, they were just starting to open up that campus mm-hmm. and send people out there. Yeah, uh, so it, it is expanding, which is great to see. But 
No, Babson is is an incredible school. So your freshman year, you are required to take a Foundations of Management and Entrepreneurship class. Mm. And in that class, they basically divide, it's probably like a 50 to 60 person class. Um, and they divide the class into, it starts out as four teams until it eventually narrows down to two teams. Um, and ultimately you start a business. Like the school gives each team $3,000 to buy products, you know, set up their services, whatever they kind of need. You have to create an organizational structure. Like, you, we are quite literally building an actual business. We, we set up social media, website, all that kind of stuff. Um, so throughout the year, you are working on this business. You, pretty much the ultimate goal is to break even, uh, which my team did by just a, just a hair, but we did. Um, and every year there's a whole like FME fair where everybody gets to show off their businesses and whatnot. So from literally day one of stepping into Babson, I started to learn how to start a business. Um, that sounds so valuable. It is extremely yeah. valuable, which is why I do not regret my experience there at all because I would have... I would have never been able to become a coach and have my own coaching business if I didn't have that background, if I didn't have that knowledge and that experience of, of how to do it and how to even just get started of like the things to look for, the things that need to be put into place, um, so on and so forth. So, I, well, and I remember my required class. So I went to school as an econ major, which was in the liberal arts college mm -hmm. within uh, U of I, University of Illinois. And I remember that being like the most pointless class I could ever be in. Like you're just, you're there. It's like a glorified study hall and somebody who's like a junior just is like, you know, babysitting people. Yep. Um, and I just, if that was a class where it's like, here are, you know, the foundations of building a business and like, let's kind of work on that together. That mm -hmm. would be so much just like as a person, right? Like yeah. you, you, and, and as an employee and having an understanding of what the components are that build a business, yep. I, I can only imagine that like everyone coming out of that school and that class is, is really like well-educated on that stuff. Yeah. Babson students are, are some of the biggest go-getters I've ever met. Um, that's that class, that FME class was actually the first, my first introduction to the disc assessment. So mm. it's cool how they really, I mean, it's a very, it's a well-rounded education. You, know, you still have to take science and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they teach you really all sides of the business, the people side, the data side, the, you know, the operation side, you know, we're required, we were required to take uh, managerial accounting and finance, like you were talking about, which I, definitely screwed my GPA but <laughs> for, for those of you that are just listening on audio she rolled her eyes like 17 times <laughs> while we're talking about those two classes yes um, but we also had amazing liberal arts teachers too like I I took a couple poetry classes that were probably my favorite classes I've ever taken it's in school um, and I, you know I still write poetry to this day so I got a, a very well-rounded education there um, but I, I, I really value the entrepreneurial side that it kind of instilled in me. Um, it's kind of something that I don't really see with a lot of other business students that don't have that, that, uh, that focus on entrepreneurship mm -hmm. specifically. Yeah. And so, and you, you swam in college as well, right? Okay. Yep. What was, I was an athlete through high school. Mm -hmm. Um, definitely was not a collegiate athlete wasn't good enough but also didn't really have any interest in going that way um but 
I what was that experience like in in balancing everything? Because from what I know about swimming, is it is a very early morning uh, sport, yes, it is intense. <laughs> and and it does not care about what you have to do afterwards. So. Well, let me preface by saying it was a D three D three program, okay. so I um, that certainly helped. I you know I was a dedicated swimmer. I wasn't like extremely talented, I would say, but I loved the sport and I loved the community that it gave me. So, being able to carry that through into college was something I didn't plan for. But when I stumbled upon the opportunity, it's something that I knew that I wanted. Um, so, I mean, it was an incredible experience. You know, my teammates were were and still are some of my best friends. Um, it's it's certainly, you know, it it was a lot of work, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to really be careful with my time. I was also in a sorority and a, involved in some other, like, scholarship programs and stuff. And um, just the way Babson is structured and how their program, like, extracurricular programs are structured, they, they do allow you to get involved in a lot of things. Like, Greek life, for instance, was not, it wasn't like the South, you know. We had three sororities on campus. It was give us what you got kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of swimmers were also in Greek life. So, um, Babson wanted you to get involved in as much as you possibly could and gave students the flexibility to do so. Um, I, co- I had really amazing coaches also while in school that were super flexible with me. We were in the winter season and, you know, my coach would still let people go abroad and miss half the season, things like that, because at the end of the day, we knew we weren't there to become professional athletes. You yeah. know, we were there because we wanted to be there because we loved the sport and we were passionate about it. And and um, and that's kind of really... I'm, I'm seeing that NCAA um, <laughs> like commercial where it's like, you know, 99.8% of athletes will go pro in something else. Like you, Babson yeah. <laughs> just embodied that, uh, that commercial. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I loved it. And I, I mean, I did it for 14 years, so it was hard to give up at the end, but I haven't swam since. So <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, uh, so what was, when you were describing it and, and one of the things you called out was like, you love the community of it mm-hmm. and that just, you know, swimming is a very, <laughs> you're underwater. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, the, what you mentioned earlier about being like the introverted extrovert, or I can't remember which one you put exactly, first. Exactly, yep. Um, but like that being the perfect representation where it's like you are completely alone under the water, mm-hmm. but when you want that person to be there, you pop up and there's someone, you know, you, you're you able to like just kind of go in and out of the, the uh, introverted and the extroverted way. Look at how metaphoric you are. I <laughs> you know, love this. No, a, you're spot on. I mean, it's a very individualized sport. But it's the team that keeps you going. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the team that pushes you harder and harder. So um, it kind of reflected my childhood a little bit, I think, which is why I did it for so long and was was so invested in it. Yeah. Not to take a huge left turn, but I I have three siblings. Mm-hmm. Like, What was it like being an only child? Um, I don't know if I have too many only children in my life. <laughs> um, yeah, we're far and few between. Um it was, I mean, it's obviously all that I knew. I, you know, growing up, all of my friends had siblings, and most of my friends' parents, if not all of them, were still married. Um, so, you know, I always, in the back of my mind, wanted a sister or a brother. And when I was very young, you know, my parents' divorce was definitely difficult because it really required me to be on my own a, a bit more um, as I was going back and forth between homes. Um but it definitely, it made me very self-driven, I think. Um, I don't 
feel like I have to, always have to rely on others. I love to rely on other people because I, I love it when people rely on me. Um, and I love kind of nurturing in that sense. Um, hence my business name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I'm a very self-driven person. I'm very independent, like I said earlier. And um, I think my parents were really amazing at allowing me to always have friends around and mm-hmm. always making sure that I had people in my corner. Um, I should also say that my parents are um, a little bit different from your typical divorcees. Um, mm. They are best friends. <laughs> they hang out with each other more than they hang out with me. Um, them and their significant others, they're like a little posse. It's very cute. Um, so they, they are each other's like biggest cheerleaders, um, which was made my experience as an only child that much better because I had such a supportive um, such supportive group of adults in my life that were just there for me. So both of my parents, my dad is remarried, my mom's in a long-term relationship. Neither of their significant others have children. So I'm like all eyes on me, mm-hmm. which is a lot of pressure sometimes, but it's also, it helps me kind of I don't want to say worry less because I worry a lot, but <laughs> I don't know. It just, when you have that level of support, it makes life feel easier. Like it feels like you always have a way to overcome things because mm-hmm. there's someone there to help push you forward. Totally. Well, so first is I'm noticing my own assumptions. Like I almost didn't even ask you about your parents' divorce because the assumption is that it was like horrible and like super <laughs> traumatic. And I'm mm-hmm. sure there was, you know, trauma tied to it. Absolutely. But having that be the outcome where like they're friends and hanging out and like you, you've, you truly now have four parents that are that are looking out for you. Yes. Um, and the other piece, I mean, I just finished reading Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Great book. Really good book. But I, and and I think the the most interesting thing I learned was like how important your your immediate surroundings and upbringing are. Mm-hmm. Um, and Absolutely. you know, like they show all those studies of like the low income versus high income and, and how everyone at age like five starts out pretty in the in the same vicinity. Yep. But it's every year it grows bigger and bigger and it, it, the, the the main culprit is the long summer break and is how in that summer break if your parents are involved, um and, and again it's like mostly the wealthier, the higher income. If the parents are involved over summer break, they the children evolve and, and continue to learn. Yep. But if the the parents are not involved and the kids are just like off doing whatever, yep. then that's where the gap continues to increase. So it totally. seems like you had a really great uh, involved, you know, parentals for, for a while. I absolutely did. I mean, don't get me wrong, the first few years of the divorce were certainly difficult. Um, How old were you when it happened? I was two when they split and wow. four when they got officially divorced. And I'd say up until I was about 12, it was a pretty tumultuous environment. Um, I mean, I would say every year they would improve a bit more, but, you know, there's, of course, going to be headbutting when you're when you're separating from you know, someone you've been with for 10 plus years. Um, so that was that was really difficult at a young age, especially kind of facing it on my own and not really having a sibling or something like that to go to and talk to when I felt like I was being pulled in two separate directions. Um, but my parents turned a corner and they decided to put me first. And that kind of relationship that they've built around me and my well-being is 
taught me forgiveness. I don't hold grudges by any means. Mm. I'm friends with most of my exes. Um, it's taught me also just the love comes in a lot of different forms. And just because my parents weren't sleeping in the same bed together doesn't mean I wasn't receiving any less love than any of my other friends were. Um, and that's kind of a lesson that I learned long before I you know, was introduced to the LGBTQ community and just all these different types of diverse populations, um, which really gave me an acceptance towards towards th those types of groups and those types of people and um, and what they're doing and what, you know, what they're trying to accomplish in their lives. So, um, you know, divorce is hard, but man, did I learn some of my biggest life lessons from it. And I don't, I did, you know, I have no regrets actually was on a trip and we were just talking about my backpacking trip in Wyoming with my dad last week and um, we had, you know, a deep conversation about the work that he put in and, you know, how much I appreciate what they've done for me and and he kind of just talked about why they did it and it really all boiled down to me, which I'm not one for spotlight, but it's it's kind of, it's just extremely enriching to, to feel that type of love. Um, yeah. So. I mean, that's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> And it's very, it's very like, I don't know, like heartwarming to me yeah. and just like, you know, gives me hope about the world that like th that can be an outcome. Right. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's really cool. Um, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, thanks for asking. And okay. So going back to kind of where we left off the career trajectory stuff and, and get, you know, the coaching and getting into coaching. Yeah. Um, talk to me about that. Like, I guess the what those conversations were like with your coach where mm -hmm. you were peeling back the I don't want to be in sales world and I actually want to work with people and help people. So yeah. tell, me, tell me a little bit about that that evolution. Well, I had an amazing coach who yeah. <laughs> certainly pulled it out of me. I knew how I felt for a long time, I should say first. I knew that marketing sales really Marketing sales are not going to be my end-all, be-all. And I knew that pretty much since the day I entered the workforce. Um, but I wanted to work on those skills, improve those skills, because that's really all I knew. Um, so, I mean, after, once I started working with my coach, I was hesitant to tell her about it, largely because, you know, my, my, my company at the time was paying for the coaching. And I, mm. I was very loyal to the company, and so I stayed with them for as long as I did. And um, I did love working for them. Um, so I think that was one thing that kind of set me back from really opening up about it, but I, she just kept catching me in these like little smiles of like, mm, I don't know, like, yeah, I could do that. And to have got to the point where she was just like, do you want to do this? Like, cause I, it kind of doesn't look like you do. Yeah. And I was like, I'm so glad you asked. Like, no. And I just kind of unloaded, um, you know, told her what I had been thinking for a long, long time, really since my Babson days. Um, and, you know, the the process of figuring out what to do next was was an interesting one. Um, she, there's a, a certain, um, certain test you can take on DISC, which just focuses on career and the type of careers that you should, that your personality fits into. So I had like a two page long list of things, anything from like artist to like nurse, um, all different kinds of options. And so she had me go through and circle ones that were of interest to me. Um, 
you know, obviously, like, I was circling fashion designer and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> like, stuff like that. Um, you're rocking a corduroy shirt right now, so I feel like, I you, yeah, you're, you're a fashionista. Born, yeah. Natural born artist. Um, so she, we kind of went through that list and nitpicked every one that I had, that I had picked and started to think about, you know, what would it take for you to get here? Um, you know, what kind of schooling would you need? Would you need certifications? Um, who, you know, who would you need to recruit to like help, you know, just kind of all the different things that I had to consider before making this change. Um, and I kind of landed on, you know, I wasn't going to go back. I wasn't going to go to like med school or anything. I wasn't going to take it to that level because I, I just want to work, you know. Uh, I'm a decent student, but I, I like working more than I like I don't want to say learning because that sounds bad. <laughs> schooling, yeah. The schooling, it, yeah. you know. Um, so, you know, I when I got towards like the social work, psych therapy, like psychology realm, that's something that I I was really interested in, really passionate about. Um, I had taken an AP psych course in high school. That was the only AP exam I passed <laughs> out of the five I took. Um, so I knew I had an interest in psychology. That was something I was planning on studying if I didn't go to business school, if I went to a liberal arts school. So I decided um, to, to go that route. Um, in high school, I was also on the executive board of a youth activist group that focuses, that focuses on um, human trafficking, teen dating violence, and the rights of day laborers. So mm. I already had this kind of um, activist mindset that I had been a little bit buried for for a good while, and I saw the light of of digging it up and kind of putting myself there. I should also say um, my behavioral attitudes, according to my disc, which is kind of like how you see the world, the things that um, that mo kind of motivated you to do what you do. Uh, so my highest was social humanitarian, which is obscure for a salesperson. Usually it's economic, financial. Mm -hmm. um, my second highest was artistic, creative. Um, again, I'm not an artist, but I kind of see the world through a more of an, an artsy lens, I guess, if you will. Um, so we wanted to make sure I picked a career that would pull at those, those, at those strings. Because again, the, it's those things that kind of fuels your passions, if you will. Um, so you know, when I decided I, I was nervous to go back to school, I was also financially nervous. To, like, on top of just the schoolwork, I financially didn't feel confident in my ability to make that all happen. I had just moved in with my boyfriend, so there was already a lot of transition going on in my life, and I was nervous to put a stress on our relationship as well when we were just kind of getting comfortable living together and we're in a really good place. Um, so that's how, you know, she presented coaching to me. And I had already started learning about the disc just through our work to, you know, the work that I was doing with her. Um, and when she was like, look, I know you can do this. We have a very similar personality. It's like you, you, you've been like, when I ask you questions, when, when I ask you to interpret things, you hit the nail on the head every time. So let's, let's expand upon that. Um, and so she was the one who was like, look, I've, I've been coaching for a few years now. Every coach kind of gets to the point where they want to coach coaches. Um, so she was like, let me take you under my wing. You'll be my kind of guinea pig, if you will, with this, this program that I want to build that helps to build coaches. Um, and she started 
you know, I got certified in the DISC. She kind of taught me how she uses the assessments to um, work with clients, to pull out information about clients that they might not even realize about themselves. And it all just kind of started to flow really naturally. Um, so I worked with her for probably about nine more months before I actually left my job to go balls to the wall, yeah. <laughs> like go full in on it. I should say I left my job before... I had my first client, which was a lot of people said not to do, especially my parents. They're like, you know, you, can't, you need some mm -hmm. money coming in before you leave your job. But I am not a good multitasker. I've always known that. I'm a very, like, I put all my eggs into one basket. So I was having a really tough time balancing the two of, of putting, you know, 45 plus hours a week into my sales job, which I was expected to be available pretty much. I mean, you were in sales. You're expected to be available Pretty much all hours of the day. Yeah, if you go like an hour and a half without responding to something, like you, you're assumed dead. Exactly, and I was also the only salesperson at this company, so I, mm. I was running the department pretty much <laughs> in some capacity. Um, so there was a lot, you know, a lot of expectations, a lot of pressure on me in that sense from that role, and I was really struggling to balance, you know, starting this business, like finding my like placing all my passion in this business when I was still so loyal and so dedicated to this company because I, I loved my team and, I, mm -hmm. and I'm, like, I'm a people person. I do good for others because it makes me feel good and I make others feel good. Um, so I decided, you know, it's time. I need to just go all in. If I'm, I'm never going to get this done if I don't commit myself 150% to it. So I did and it took about three months for me to get fully off the ground until I found you, my first client. Um, and now I'm kind of just rocking and rolling. Um, and yeah, that's, that was kind of the long winded answer to how that process worked. It was perfect. <laughs> I, I mean, I relate to the lack of multitasking abilities so, so deeply. Yes. Um, and it wasn't until I like quit my job and it was it took me nine months to go from quitting my job to actually launching Oslo but I had been working on it for two and a half years mm -hmm. up until that point and it was it was never going to happen until I left the job I'm like convinced of this um okay I'm so I, happy you feel the same way absolutely <laughs> well, and, I, and I, what I was going to say is like the um I think it's there are so many romanticized stories of the side hustle yep. where it's like these people were working a full-time job and then they built this thing from nothing and it became so big and so overwhelming and so time-consuming that they couldn't possibly have a full-time job anymore. Yep. And like that is the story that's told over and over again. Yep. So like the whole time I was doing it, I was like, man, I'm a failure. Like this is like, how do I not have this business off the ground? Number one. And like, wait, I'm, I have to quit. Mm -hmm. Like I have to walk away from this like really cush life situation yeah. um but i absolutely did and i think um it was very it's very validating for me <laughs> we're me over too. here validating I'm, each other um, <laughs> i'm beaming right now yeah but it's <laughs> I, I i truly believe it because for myself right it's like the main thing has always been the main thing for me yep and i could never have a, a a second thing like there are a lot of other things i do like this podcast i'm doing while also but it's it all fun than exactly it's, it's all it's this is i'm just getting to know my friends yep. deeper yep. um but it and it also is supporting the main thing like yes. right behind you this the oslo like this is all building the business as well yes and i think the the challenge is like these two completely disparate things that have no true 
tether to each other other than you is just so difficult to, to build at the same time. So you need to like be able to, you know, focus the attention elsewhere. It really is. And don't get me wrong. There are some freaking badass people out there who can do that. Seriously. And who have done that as yep. we've seen. And kudos to them. Like do your thing. I respect the hell out of you, but that's not me. Yep. I'm too invested in theme of the the podcast here. I'm too invested in people for for me to have made that possible. I I felt like I was living a double life, honestly, because Same. I couldn't talk to my friends at work about what I was doing on the side. And I'm a very I'm an open book. I'm I'm you know I will tell you anything that you want to hear, pretty much, uh, honestly, of course. But um, I'm I'm very straightforward. I'm very open, and it was hard for me to kind of compartmentalize my life like that. Um, so yeah, I, like you said, I got to the point where I knew I couldn't have both. I couldn't have my own business and be a director of business development. Um, and so I just got to the point where I had to choose one over the other. Totally. Yeah. I, not to go like really focus on this, but how did that conversation go with your boss when you finally told them that you were leaving and, and you were Great pursuing. Question. Yeah. Great question. So my boss, uh, Trevor Emerson, he's the C founder and CEO of uh, LSM, the digital advertising agency. Um, they, he, like I said, he was, he founded his, his company, his agency back in 2006. So he, he's got that entrepreneurial mindset. He, he knows what it's like to start from nothing. Um, so, I, I mean, I was honest with him. You know, I told him my kind of passion is leaning in this direction. And honestly, so I was working directly under him. Was, when I was there, it was about a 20-person agency, so smaller agency. So I was literally working. He was my direct report, the CEO. So we got very close. Um, and I told him, look, if I didn't have this experience working under you for the past two years then I probably wouldn't be going off to start my business right now. Like you taught me one, how to, how to be an efficient, a successful CEO. You taught me the benefits of professional autonomy and being your own boss and, and not having to answer to anyone and calling the shots, like all the conversations that we've had, you know, he would confide in me about different things, you know, acquiring businesses, which he just did a few months ago. Congrats, Trevor. There you go, Trevor. Um, so he would confide in me in these different things that were, you know, more at the you know, C-level decision-making. Um, so I said, I told him everything that you've taught me over the last two years has led me to this decision. And he was sad to see me go. I was sad to leave, but he respected it and he um, he congratulated me. And, you know, we've actually sat and had drinks since then. And he's given me some more advice on my business. And he's been a great mentor um, and has had nothing but good, you know, kind words to say since. So it's certainly presentation is everything, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but I was I was honest with him and, you know, I wanted to follow my passions the same way he did. And he respected that. And and push me, push me on my way. Yeah, that's the symmetry between our stories is so it's like mind blowing to me. It really is. How are we just realizing? This? I know, right? <laughs> like, and I mentioned at the beginning of this, but like, I was the nineteenth employee of my last software company. My very similar process with the CEO. It, uh, 
telling him that I was quitting. I actually quit probably over the course of like 18 months. Like I, <laughs> I told him that I had this idea that I needed to go explore. And that's what got me to move from San Francisco back to Chicago. Mm -hmm. And then pandemic hits and, you know, it's chaos in the, in the software sales world and in really constant conversation with him. I was like one of the top performers, so very heavily relied upon. And in one of those meetings, I was like, I know what you need from me. I don't have it. Like, I just, I don't, I don't have that for yeah. this company. And, um, you know, it was two months later, I put a meeting on his calendar. We get on the call and he's like, I know what this is about. Like, mm -hmm. um, and it just immediately shifted to him hyping me up and getting me really excited and like telling me how much he supported me and, and all. And it's just, yeah, it really seemed like a very similar thing to what Trevor did for you. And, and totally. It's been, yeah. And it's going to sound cliche, but timing really is everything with these things. Like I was very careful about when I did it. Um, you know, I, I got out right before they acquired another business, which I knew it would be way more difficult for me to leave after they had. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also felt like my career in sales was starting to take a turn. Like I had made six figures for the first time the year before, you know, I was starting to really, really get good at my skill. And um, I just kind of figured the longer I stay in this, the harder it is, the harder it's going to be to rip the Band-Aid off. Um, so, yeah, making sure that it's the right time, not only for you, but like your team and the people around you and make sure you leave them with, leave them with something. Don't just leave people high and dry, I guess is really what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Because um, again, relationships are everything to me and it's, you don't want to burn bridges when on your way out. Well, it's, I mean, it so easily could have been you like burn them and they're scorned and now you've just like been isolating yourself mm -hmm. and that was you invited them to be a part of your journey and you invited them to like be exactly you know more wind beneath the sail yes um, and just and, more support mm -hmm. in your corner you know i'm still very close with the entire denver team here you know i've been yeah. happy hours with them things like that um i'll hang out with trevor when he's in town so keeping those relationships alive is only going to help you in the long run. Yeah. Um, well said. So uh, there were two, I like to like reflect some things back, uh, which I've do. I can't keep you thoughts to myself, lot, yes. <laughs> um, but there were two, two main things that, that came up a lot. Um, and when we were talking about like your childhood and, and the family dynamics and everything, it seems like the, there were, there were a lot of reasons for you to feel different Mm -hmm. Um, and you were able to use that to build self-reliance, which I believe is like what got you to the point of being a CEO mm -hmm. and like taking these things of being an only child, a child of divorce, um, you know, even like swimming, like not being the most common sport that people are playing middle school and high school. Right. And like those things, building your like trust in yourself mm -hmm. to be able to take care of yourself and kind of bringing you along this, this journey. Um, and the other one was. It, this kind of came up when you were talking about the process of like evaluating new career paths Yep, is just like doing the work. Like there's literally nothing that can, you know, you had to go from a to BCD, you know, all the way to get to this final point that, that ended up being the true next step. Yep. Um, but 
really taking the time to like fully explore it and see what these different things are are interesting to you and what would it be like to be following that journey yeah. and like sitting with it. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like so many people, when they realize that point, like where they're at right now doesn't work, they need the, the time between the next point to be immediate mm-hmm. or they stick in in the first point, right? Like it, yeah. and it doesn't it doesn't work that way. You need to be able to explore everything to get to the to the final destination. You have to have some level of patience, not only with yourself but with people around you. Um, yeah, I think don't leave any stone unturned. Mm-hmm. If there's something you're even have an inkling of like worth exploring, then explore it. I mean, I considered all different kinds of options. I was thinking about. Um, getting more into like the environmental side of business and doing more like corporate social responsibility, which I know that I would have had to go back to school for and study more like biology and chem and stuff, which I was like, ah, you know, (laughs) once I learned what went into it, I was like, I just don't know about that. Um, But you also have to be honest with yourself about what you can handle. Um, I know I'm a person who can be, get very overwhelmed very easily. Um, So, you have to create balance in your life. And I think the way that I was raised helped me figure that out from early on is how to create balance in your life. I'm definitely a work to live, not a live to work type of person. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, having time for yourself to reflect, to relax, to just do something that you enjoy is super important. Um, Just for for really your mental sanity and honestly your physical health as well. Um, So yeah, in that whole process, be patient with yourself, leave no stone unturned um, and know know when it's too much for you. It's okay, you know, it's okay to admit that this is more than I can handle right now and figure out a solution. Maybe you do a little bit here, a little bit over there, Uh, maybe, you know, however, whatever works best for you, but it's being honest with yourself, I think, is the most important thing to take away out of that process. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then once <laughs> you've done all that thinking, be willing to take the leap. And, yes. And go you all have out. to be willing to take the leap. Risk is an incredibly terrifying thing. Um, but high, usually with high risk comes high reward. Um, if you put the pieces in place, it's also a lot of ways you could put safe nets into place, too, you know? Um, different ways you can structure your business and things like that, to certain ways that you can cut costs, things that you just really don't need to spend monthly fees on and whatnot. Um, there's always corners to cut. And again, it's just on, being honest with yourself. I mean, I yeah. can't, I cannot reiterate it enough. It's, it's so important. Yeah.